Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Hello, I'm Promise, and you're listening to a day of prayer's morning Bible study. Well, glad you could join us. Before we get into the Word, Kyla, can you open us up in prayer? Yes. In your name, Lord Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for today, God, and we just welcome you into our midst, God, to move and flow in our Bible study and reveal what it is you would have us to share, God. We ask that you keep our listeners and you keep their house and let them be at peace, God, and you keep their minds, God, and help them walk before you in a way that is pleasing to you. We thank you for all these things. In your name, Lord Jesus, amen. Amen. So, we're continuing our study of Daniel in chapter 11. So we want to welcome everybody that's listening. And welcome you, Dean. Thank you for being here. We uh, definitely look forward to the insight the Holy Spirit gives you. And we are grateful and thankful that you he's given you time to be here with us today. So. Yeah, I can't thank you enough. I'm, as I say all the time, I'm the one that gets blessed, so thank you. Well, praise the Lord. So, all right, we're going to, again, continue with chapter 11. Can I get a volunteer to read the first four verses, please? I will. All right, Layla, go for it. Also, in the first year of Darius the Mede, I, even I, stood up to confirm and strengthen him. And now I will tell you the truth. Behold, three more kings will arise in Persia, and the fourth shall be far richer than them all. By his strength, through his riches, he shall stir up all against the realm of Greece. Then a mighty king shall arise, who shall rule with great dominion and do according to his will. And when he has arisen, his kingdom shall be broken up and divided toward the four winds of heaven, but not among his posterity, nor according to his dominion with which he ruled. For his kingdom shall be uprooted even for others besides these. Okay, so we're going to give each of you the opportunity to first and foremost share what the Holy Spirit has revealed to you, and then to ask any questions that you have. All right? Who wants to begin? Um, I have a question. Okay. Is this kingdom that was divided towards the four um, winds of heaven similar to that goat with the four horns? It had the notable one between its eyes, and then it was broken, and it extended to the four um, winds of heaven in chapter 8. It's possible. It is possible. Hmm. So what are, we, what are we talking about last time? Uh, the Lord keeps repeating himself, right? And the more Daniel keeps seeking the Lord... And understand him and understand his ways. And if we look back, the Lord has, since the beginning of being brought into captivity, right, under Nebuchadnezzar, the Lord has continued to reveal different elements or aspects of this dream, the first dream, the vision that actually King Nebuchadnezzar had, right? And if you look, there are many similarities or many things that you could overlay on even the first dream 
as it, this has continued, and especially now that the Lord has sent his messenger to build Daniel up, but then also to reveal, uh, as it says in verse 14, to help him understand what will happen to, it's in chapter 10, verse 14, understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. Some versions say the, the end of days. For the, for the vision refers to many days from now. Right? And actually other versions even say uh, there is yet another vision. Right? So you can look at this, what is being discussed here now, in two ways. One is a building off of things that have already been revealed to Daniel. And then, and or as a continuation, as a second vision. And if you study this out, you'll find many of these things are also revealed to the, the Apostle John in the book of Revelation. So there's a lot of similarities there, both for in Daniel chapter 11 and 12. Okay. And and chapter eleven verse like the beginning of chapter eleven is is still a continuation of the angel that came to tell Daniel what was going on and Absolutely. explain it to him. Oh. So it, it's not like a separate event, right? Where we see the chapters broken off, it means something different is happening. This is still, if you look at verse twenty one of chapter ten, you'll see the parentheses start, and there he's explaining to him something behind the scenes, and then it continues, and then. Roughly at the end of verse 4, it kind of comes to the end of that thought of chapter 11. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. I wanted to um, kind of, we've been, we've been talking strategically um, over, over time about how there are two dynamics happening. There's the spiritual and then there's the natural. And that the spiritual is the, I'll say the real part. That's how I look at it. It's, it's the real part, and the natural is to line up with the spiritual. Um, so even when in verse 1, where the angel is continuing to tell Daniel um, that he, in the first year of, year of Darius the Mede, I, even I, stood up to confirm and strengthen him. I, I love to see that because in the natural, what Daniel saw was a king coming in and doing things, right? That's how it looked to him. King is going about kingly business. But God said, this is actually what's going on. I called you to this, Darius, so now I am, I am establishing you. I'm helping you and supporting you behind the scenes. So as we believers go through our life, we should understand that that's who our Heavenly Father is, and that's how he goes about and transacts business with us in the natural realm, like how we see it. He sends spiritual support to establish what he's already spoken to us. So... Um, Romans chapter 8, verses 29 through 31, talks about God predestining us and calling us and the process that he goes through with us. Can you look that up for me, LeCharles, Romans chapter 8? So I want you to read that to us, okay? And we're looking at verses 29 through 31. Romans chapter 8, verses 29-31. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the first, firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. 
In whom he called, these he also justified. In whom he has justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're looking at when God gives us a destiny. He gives everybody a destiny track, right? Even the people that he knows will not receive him in their lifetime. He still gives them a chance to walk this walk before him and and be reaped in because Jesus came to die for everyone, right? So um, back to talking and speaking with the believer. As God predestined us or the the people that he knows will be, that will become his and, and come into relationship with him, he gives us support. He gives us help in going there, right? And even verse 31 says, if God before us, who can, who can be against us? And we see when the angel was talking about the prince of Persia was resisting him and that, that kind of tussle and the angel was there to support and establish what God had already ordained and called Darius to, King Darius. So it's an, it's an interesting um, insight that God gives and, and a revelation to help us understand when God asks you to do something, he's supplying the help on the back end. You can't see it, but the ministering spirits are working. And as long as we agree and keep going in the right direction with God and don't fight against what he's asking us to do, those angels can do their job and set us firm and establish us. And, you know, God talks about in, in various places of, of the kings of Israel that when they obeyed God, he established their kingdom, Right. By now I would have established you, he would say to some of them. But because you did not or you, you know, engaged in something that was ungodly, now it's going in the other direction. So understand that about our Lord and Savior. Our Heavenly Father wants to establish his covenant with us, and he is working all of the components necessary to bring that to pass. Dean, did you have some thoughts on that? The only thing that stood out to me was... um Daniel's mindset of obedience in that here is King Darius, a foreign king, and he's been taken away captive to a foreign land. And his uh, response is to build up this leader. And so in the political climate that we're in, and there's always a political climate, so this could have been true 20 years earlier or 20 years later uh, in our time, um, we need to remember that we may not be in agreement with the way things are. We may not agree to the political climate, maybe to things that are even going on in our culture, but God has clearly called us uh, to lift up and pray for those who are in authority over us. And he reminds us in his word that there is no one in authority over us that he didn't establish there to do that. So I think it would have been very easy for Daniel to not do that based on how we understand how his story unfolds. And the other component of that is in that obedience, there is no... Um, appearance at least and the word doesn't say so but there's no appearance of fear that Daniel has in presenting this to the king because uh, we hear often in scripture about how somebody was scared to come before the king to say something to them if they weren't invited into his presence and all this we're not told that he was or wasn't invited to his presence but I doubt the king really wanted to hear all that Daniel had to say to him but Daniel's obedience moved forward and um, doesn't appear to have had any fear about doing that There's one more thing, honey, as you were you were talking, and you talked mm-hmm. about the natural catching up with the spiritual. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You see the same thing already discussed here. 
chapter 10, verse 21. The angel says, I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. And then, uh, in chapter 11, verse 2, and now I will tell you the truth. In other words, these events are already written Mm -hmm. in the spiritual realm. Like, the Lord calls the end from the beginning. Why? Because he already knows what's going to take place. You see that confirmed even here Mm -hmm. in these couple scriptures. So he already knows what choices people are going to make. He's not surprised by anything. Mm -hmm. We have the opportunity to either, A, come into alignment with his plan, or to reject it and be disobedient. It is, you know, that's the choice, really, right? Was, today I said before you the blessing and the curse. Choose life. And maybe we will with you and your generations, right? And all the, all those things. Choose life that you may live. But that's the choice. Now, he already knows what choices we're going to make, regardless of circumstance or, or situation. He already knows. And these are written, as we just pointed out, therefore in verse 14, the vision refers to many days yet to come. Well, this is years. I mean, it's been, well, we'll just round it, 2,000 years since Christ came, right? Yet here we still are. So this is many years, many centuries, at least a couple millennia, and even longer than that if you look at it from Daniel's time. It's a significant period of time. And the Lord already knew then mm-hmm. what was going to take place. And he spells it out or starts spelling it out to Daniel. Mm-hmm. Does he give him the full details? No. Because it, it wasn't for him to know everything. The Lord knows everything. Already, It's already written. Mm-hmm. So which is also why Jesus in his time on earth and his time of testing could say what? It is written. So we, following the Lord, having an, an ear to hear him and eyes to, to see what he is telling us and showing us, can, can have the same, I don't want to say same experience, as in we'll be shown these same things, but we can know that we know that we know. And this is why. Because the Lord already knows. And when we turn our heart to, uh, to be willing to seek him, to hear him, in the fullness and completion of what he is telling us, then we will know and we can be assured. So that's why there's no reason for us to be afraid of anything. Not only is our God with us, but he's already assured and guaranteed the outcome. You know, the biggest, the most important thing is ensuring that we are in proper relationship with the Lord so that at the end of all things, We'll be looking into his face, and he'll be looking into ours with a well-done, now good, and faithful servant. Um, but even in your, your daily walk, understand that God has got that as well. And, you know, there's no fear in love. It, it should be um, an incentive and a bonus and an encouragement for us to continue to trust in the Lord. And even with all of our decisions, everything that's on our heart and let God guide us, and he knows how to get us to the, the desired outcome. You know, as long as we're not fighting, actively fighting against him and resisting him, he understands when it's time for us to make decisions. He understands our human workings. He understands our willpower. He understands our, our concerns. He understands all of that. So it's 
a beautiful thing to be able to come and lay that before your heavenly father and know that whatever you do, regardless if your heart and your intent and your desire is to please him and to do what gives him honor, then he'll ensure that you end up in the right destination. So, all right, Layla, will you resume reading for us at verse five? If you please. uh, Through 13, please. Yes. Also, the king of the south shall become strong, as well as one of his princes, and he shall gain power over him and have dominion. His dominion shall be a great dominion. And at the end of some years they shall join forces, for the daughter of the king of the south shall go to the king of the north to make an agreement. But she shall not retain the power of her authority, and neither he nor his authority shall stand. But she shall be given up with those who brought her, and with him who begot her, and with him who strengthened her in those times. But from a branch of her roots one shall arise in his place, who shall come with an army, enter the fortress of the king of the north, and deal with them, and prevail. And he shall also carry their gods captive to Egypt with their princes and their precious articles of silver and gold. And he shall continue more years than the king of the north. Also, the king of the north shall come to the kingdom of the kingdom of the king, sorry, kingdom of the king of the south, but shall return to his own land. However, his son shall stir up strife and assemble a multitude of great forces, and one shall certainly come and overwhelm and pass through. Then he shall return to his fortress and stir up strife. And the king of the south shall be moved with rage and go out and fight with him with the king of the north who shall muster a great multitude, but the multitude shall be given into the hand of his enemy. When he has taken away the multitude, his heart will be lifted up, and he will cast down tens of thousands, but he will not prevail. For the king of the north will return and muster a multitude greater than the former, and shall certainly come out at the end of some years with a great army and much equipment. Okay, so aside from it saying they're tongue twisters, what did you get out of there, out of that section of scripture? You know, I don't know why these princes want to go back to their own fortresses and stir up strife. Um, it, it just kind of seems weird for some reason that they would want to do that. Like, Explain. Let me point out which, where specifically. Like verses 9 and 10, also the king of the north shall come to the kingdom of the king of the south, but shall return to his own land. However, his sons shall stir up strife and assemble a multitude of great forces, and one shall certainly come and overwhelm and pass through. Then he shall return to his fortress and stir up strife. Mm -hmm. If you're a king, don't you go to war to make peace, like to keep your kingdom? But why would you, don't you want to seek peace between kingdoms? That's the whole reason in certain cultures that they gave their daughters in marriage to keep the peace between two kingdoms. It's peace and power. Not necessarily. Um, Not necessarily. So peace is a God principle, first of all, true peace, right? That's that's a God principle. Um, Second, if, so like if a king is going to be a conqueror, He's going to fight against other lands so he can overtake them. And then at that point, he would want there to be unif- 
vacation or something of that nature. But um, that's a stirring up strife is a telltale sign of the workings of the enemy. Even, especially if you see someone bringing strife to their own abode. Now, there is the power struggle, right? The lust, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life causes those things, uh, things like strife in particular, to abound in, in certain ways. Um, there might be, you know, one trying to overthrow the other to get and to or to gain or come into power, things of that nature. So, um, there are, there are a multitude of scriptures that talk about strife, and when strife is present, what's What's going on? Every evil thing is there. That's right. First Corinthians chapter three, verse three. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Second Timothy chapter two talks about foolish and ignorant disputes because they generate strife. And James chapter four, your favorite place. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You do not. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. So these are even people that are professing to be Christ, but they're operating in their flesh, and strife is a product. And we see the difference in places like Romans fourteen nineteen. Mm-hmm. So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Right. And then in First Timothy two eight, therefore I want men in every pray, place to pray, lifting up holy hands, without wrath and dissension. Mm-hmm. All things that tear away at the fabric, if you will, of peace, and create strife. And there's other scriptures talk about how um, a foolish son is a is destruction for his father, and all that. Right. So. Yep, okay. So so we understand where peace comes from. And Jesus also said, uh, "My, I give you peace, not like the world gives peace. Right? Yes. So there is a clear and distinguishable difference. Mm-hmm. Those who are peacemakers, who, again, as we were reading in Romans, it's for building people up, not for tearing down. But I can't make peace if I am first approaching things for my own gain. So selfish behavior, if you will. What do I get out of it? Now that I have received what I want to receive, okay, now I'll help build you up. That's that's not how this works. What did Jesus do? Do you seek his own? No. no. He sought to build up others. And ultimately, that others would have eternal life. <coughs> That changes the whole approach to everything. And didn't first come to seek what he could get out of it, but yet even what he instructed his disciples at the end was what? If you want to be, or at the end, but throughout his ministry and his walk with his disciples, building them up, training them, equipping them, was 
He that wants or desires to be greatest among you must be a servant to all. How am I serving you if I am first looking after my own interests? It's an impossibility. Because if that is how we approach life, then you, whoever, right, the, the world, you, everybody, takes a back seat to you. Right? Yes. So if it comes down to I can build you up or I can take care of myself, then you are second fiddle, as it were. Which is not how Christ approached anything. I was always looking out for everyone else to build them up. Not just what they thought they needed in the moment, but complete spirit, soul, and body be made whole. Pattern and example for us. Mm-hmm. And as, he, as Jesus pursued the will of the Father, mm-hmm. everyone was blessed by him just staying in alignment with what God asked him to do. Everybody got exactly what they needed. Dean, did you have something? Well, I think there's a couple of the facets to that, Layla, that um, are, are, are worth considering. The, the first one is that um, the the worldview, the culture um, that was taking place at that time and at this time just shows itself differently, is we shouldn't be surprised that those outside the body behave the way that they do. In fact, I, we should be thankful for the grace that God has extended that it isn't worse than what it is because man left alone apart from God and the depravity is endless, right? It's just crazy. So it's amazing. There isn't more warring and more uh, killing and more strife and all these other things. It really is amazing that there isn't more of it. The, the other facet is why it's so important for us to work so hard to maintain the indwelling of peace in us through our relationship in Christ so that it shines so well that it becomes attractive to others and they see the contrast to the strife that they're living in and become desirous of what we have. And that's that opening for the Holy Spirit. But we, we you know, for me, I found that when I would look at these before this type of stuff, I would seem confused. Why are they behaving this way? And just felt like that really was the enemy trying to block the fullness of me that I, I can fully understand it because I shouldn't be surprised that they act this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember who said it. Someone I know said it. Said it a very wise thing. That I shouldn't expect sanctified behavior from unsanctified people, which is to say, people that haven't chosen willingly to set themselves apart to the Lord and for the Lord, for his service, so the service of the kingdom. Right? So I'm not even sure you expect it from sanctified people because you have to remember the grace of that because we're all living in that. We're all sinners. I mean, we're, it's very clear. We're all sinners. Hopefully we're becoming less and less and moving more towards that transfiguration, that becoming more like Christ all the time. But even the sanctified still struggle with that. Absolutely. But it's it's... Where is your heart at? What's your desire? Yeah. Is my desire to be pleasing to my Heavenly Father or not? Because right? if, if that's my desire, my heart's desire is to be pleasing to the Lord and Savior, then it, it eventually is going to take care of itself. And by that, I mean you're going to find that you do things that are, less, that are not pleasing to Him less and less often. You are more almost a hyper-awareness of, no, I'm not going to do that because that would not be pleasing to the Lord as opposed to 
Well, Paul says, oh, we just eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, right? Like, no, that's not how we should live. And just say, oh, well, it's under grace, so I can do whatever I want, and just bring it under their blood. Like, no, that's, he's saying that that's not right either, right? So, it, like, the the difference, if you will, is already set, whether it's the unbeliever or the believer, there's still an approach and a mindset, and we can really see that in Hebrews 11, right, which is amazing. You It talks about all these great uh, people of faith, if you will, uh, men and women of faith. And it, it talks about how they, all the things that they endured, went through. But I find it interesting how it talks about the ones that were, um, I don't have her in front of me, <laughs> but um, all these people that, that went through and, and endured, you know, they, they were beheaded, they were sawed in two, they were, they were tortured, they were not the most well-dressed, right? They, they rolled around wearing sheepskin and, and whatever else, right? Then it makes a, it says this statement, the world was not worthy of these people, which I find fascinating. Not these prominent people, not kings, just the people that sought to be obedient to the Lord, like we've been discussing here in Daniel. And that, to me, that's really the, you see that, that pattern example given in Christ, but it's also a, a reminder in, in how it applies to us in our lives today. What is our goal and our heart's desire? And they decide to be obedient to the Lord above any and everything, every situation and circumstance that there was. They just wanted the Father to be pleased with them. They they operated in obedience or in and put their faith in action, if you will. And and again, like I said, that's that's really how it applies to us today. Because in there, if you look at what they did, they did bring peace. Not as the world brings peace all the time. All right, we can look at people like Jeremiah. <laughs> right, so he endured a, a lot, and, and it doesn't even state if there was one—I uh, wouldn't even say convert, but that even one person turned back and sought the Lord as a result of all his years of ministry. But he still endured. He still found it better to be pleasing to the Father. All right, and there are other examples. As well, right? And then we have the counter to that. People like Jonah who struggled and wrestled and didn't want to be obedient to what the Lord had and then eventually came through, if you will. And or people like Samson who even his dying breath was to seek his own vengeance. But he was still chosen and appointed as a leader. Right? Is that, which, not a great example. It's a, a horrific example. But And then people like Gideon who started off and... Yeah, they were they struggled a little bit, but then they finally came to their own, moved and operated in faith with the Lord, and then at the end they fell away. Right, so every example that you could see is is there. It's written and not to condemn, and then the the people that uh, have, gone have gone before us. No, but so that we can learn and understand, and not make the same mistakes. But it still comes down to our choice: Are we willing to? I'll say forsake all and just be obedient to what the Father's telling us or not. And in all this, we can summarize it and say, the one that we should judge and have a high expectation of godly behavior is Ourselves. me, myself. It's not for me to put on you how you should be acting. It's for me to judge myself and make sure I'm lining up. Am I correlating with the word of God? 
doesn't mean that we don't champion godly laws. It doesn't mean that we don't um, guide others in righteousness when the opportunity um, avails to us or presents itself. But it means that when we are looking to spy out what's not right, hopefully we're standing in front of a mirror when we do that. Hopefully we are in the presence of our Heavenly Father when we're going, what's not right? Let's fix this right here first. Okay? Now, parents teaching your children, yes, train them up in the way that they should go. Teach them the Word of God. Impart it unto them. And love them with the same love that God loved you with. And instruct them and counsel them. But judging others, we have to judge ourselves. Okay? Yes. All right. So... We can also look at how this relates to here, right? So we're talking about a lot of warring kings, and and you see it even extends generations, right? After generation, in this section of Scripture in Daniel that we're looking at. Okay, well, what, is, what does the Word say? If those that seek the Lord, He will give you peace. Even amongst your enemies, He will cause your enemies to be at peace with you. I don't see any peace here. None. Just a, a constant struggle and warring and fighting. Well, again, we talked about what happens in the natural is catching up to what's happening in the spiritual. So clearly there's already a spiritual struggle. And the warring is really against the Lord and against His Holy Spirit that is trying to bring peace and as a, as a result of resisting and fighting and warring against, right? Which we see even in Acts, right, with Peter and all that, right? What did Gamaliel say? Hey, if, if these men aren't from God, it'll be brought to nothing. But if they are, you may find yourself fighting against God. right? So we see clearly that's happening, whether it's stated specifically or not. But what do we see? Reaping the fruit of those actions. The natural catching up with the spiritual. Does everyone understand that? Yes. Okay. Dean, do you have something you want to share? I, I just as you're saying that, just a reminder that, of course, this all this is taking place because of the disobedience of Israel. So it just ties right back into what you're saying. So none of this would have happened had Israel, as, as it were, obviously God's perfect plan still, right. but from the component of thing, this is a righteous judgment that we're seeing take place. So this is all part of the ordained sequence of events that God brought about because of Israel's disobedience is where all this came from. So the strife actually began a long time ago, and just what you were saying, striving against God, striving against the Holy Spirit, striving against obedience to what God said, I'll protect you against all this. I've given you the, I've given you the plan, I've given you the map, just follow it out, and all these things happen, right? We, you know, that's why we had the blessings and the curses as we entered the promised land, and we proclaimed them out. They were, they were proclaimed, they were prophesied Absolutely. orally, verbally, out loud, so they could be heard, so there was no excuse about what that was. So God was long-suffering and not executing this judgment as it was. So, And, and I love how you brought that up because it's twofold. It's for Israel there in the time of, of Daniel in captivity, but then also this vision, or um, by vision, I mean what's written in the, in, how's the phrase, in the scripture of truth, right, that the angel is explaining to Daniel is written for the future, right? He said, this, this is going to take place many days from now. So we see it still applies to us today and our future generations until the Lord returns. 
manifold wisdom of God. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's continue. Can I get a volunteer to read from, we stopped at 14. Yes, we'll start at first, yeah, yes, that's what I meant. Thank you. Mm -hmm. We'll start at verse 14 and read through. What's your thoughts, honey? Where, should, where do you think we should stop? We can go to verse 28. Okay, well, let's do it. We're going we're gonna to be bold here. And, <laughs> and I'll say conquer a lot of scripture here in one, one shot. So, All right, go for it, Layla. Now in those times, many shall rise up against the king of the south. Also, violent men of your people shall exalt themselves in fulfillment of the vision, but they shall fall. So the king of the north shall come and build a siege mound and take a fortified city, and the forces of the south shall not withstand him. Even his choice troops shall have no strength to resist. But he who comes against him shall do according to his own will, and no one shall stand against him. He shall stand in the glorious land with destruction in his power. He shall also set his face to enter with the strength of his whole kingdom and upright ones with him. Thus he shall do. And he shall give him the daughter of women to destroy it, but she shall not stand with him or before him. After this he shall turn his face to the coastlands and shall take many. But a ruler shall bring the reproach against them to an end, and with the reproach removed he shall turn back on him. Then he shall turn his face toward the fortress of his own land, but he shall stumble and fall and not be found. There shall arise in his place one who imposes taxes on the glorious kingdom, but within a few days he shall be destroyed, but not in anger or in battle. And in his place shall arise a vile person, to whom they will not give the honor of royalty. But he shall come in peaceably, and seize the kingdom by intrigue. With the force of a flood they shall be swept away from before him, and be broken, and also the prince of the covenant. And after the league is made with him, he shall act deceitfully, for he shall come up and become strong with a small number of people. He shall enter peaceably, even into the richest places of the province, and he shall do what his fathers have not done, nor his forefathers. He shall disperse among them the plunder, spoil, and riches, and he shall devise his plans against the strongholds, but only for a time. He shall stir up his power and his courage against the king of the south with a great army, and the king of the south shall be stirred up to battle with a very great and mighty army. But he shall not stand, for they shall devise plans against him. Yes, those who eat of the portion of his delicacies shall destroy him. His army shall be swept away, and many shall fall down slain. Both these kings' hearts shall be bent on evil, and they shall speak lies at the same table. But it shall not prosper, for the end will still be at the appointed time. While returning to his land with great riches, his heart shall be moved against the holy covenant. So he shall do damage and return to his own land. Wow. Um, yes, there's a lot there. So, what is it that the Holy Spirit's ministering to you that you want to share? And or what questions do you have? I noticed this guy who was devising plans. He sounded a lot like the little horn. <laughs> the little horn. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. What were you going to say, Hannah? Well, I was going to say, um, I think it's not un... There are, because it's the same spirit behind things, people can oftentimes sound similar. And you're like, how are you talking and saying those same words when, you know, that this one over here said, and how is that possible? Just like, it's because it's the same spirit behind it. Um, I'm not, and I'm not speaking to whether it's the little horn or not, but I know that the layered wisdom of God, where we'll see like cycles, this sounds like a lot of people. It sounds like a lot of um positions, if you will, a lot of um, things, if you will, um, saying that a little bit, um, being watchful of what I say, but understand that it's more importantly the spirit behind it that sounds the same. Okay. And you can see that on both sides, uh, good and evil, right? With the spirit of the Lord. What did did Mm -hmm. Jesus say about John the Baptist, right? Well, first, the scripture says that Elijah will come before the Lord, right? Make their past right, return the hearts of the, the fathers to the children, right? And all that. The same thing is said about John the Baptist. And then Jesus very plainly said that if you can handle it, Elijah has already, or said, Elijah has already come. But if you can handle it, that John, John as in John the Baptist, was Elijah. Clearly he was not Elijah. God wasn't talking about reincarnation and any of that. Exactly. What he was talking about was the similar spirit, if you will. Right? Which, what did he say about Moses and the 70 elders? He said, I'm going to take the same spirit that's in you and I'm going to put it on them. All right? Yes. Okay. So we see the similarity there. They came in like, and I'm talking about Elijah and John the Baptist, right? A boldness for the Lord, if you will, that was unseen previously. And it was so, it was on display for all to see. They refused, if you will, especially John the Baptist, even in prison, still preaching, still teaching, still um, preaching about sin. And, you know, discussing it openly, even to King Herod, in order to get him to to change his ways. Talking about the things of the Lord, a boldness. Same with Elijah, who, you know, incorrectly, but he thought he was the only one that was seeking the Lord at that time. He was the only one standing against the 850 prophets. Right? Right? That's significant. False prophets. Prophets of Baal and Asherah. Right? But he was the only one. So it, there's you see the similarity there. Right? It's not that they were there. They're, as you pointed out, honey, there's no reincarnation. But it talked about the similarity of the spirit within them. Yeah, I think that... Um you know, specifically, I want to speak to you, Promise, but everybody listening. So one aspect of us being together here, going through the Word, is not to pontificate the Word, 
for the benefit of talking about it, but ultimately to gain understanding so that we may apply it so that our lives are transformed and we become more like Christ. And so we use what's been given to us in his word to accomplish that purpose. So promise I affirm in you that this is what God is showing you, that you have discernment. And he's teaching you now at a very young age that discernment to discern between spirits. So identifying that this was similar to this other spirit is exactly what you want to do. So apply that. Think about now affirming you. God has blessed me with the ability to discern spirits. Those are not of him and those that are of him. And so when somebody is speaking to you and you're listening to them, you automatically now have this filter that you can say and say, does this line up with what God is saying to me and what God's word says is true? Or is it lining up with what the enemy has said, right? So Jesus very called it out, right, to the Pharisees all the time. You know, you're, you're, you're just like your father, the father of lies, because the words that they were using, the way that they were doing it, not so much the specific words, but just how they used to twist words, their hearts towards him in doing that. And that's back to what you were saying, John, about that similarity that just comes up over and over again. So, you know, you, you're able to identify that already. So don't let anybody take that away from you. That's a blessing from the Lord. And anybody listening, same thing. This is how we apply it. We take that and go, oh, wow, it does sound similar. Oh, oh. So this isn't just about reading the Bible. This is about how I can take this now and go out into the world and make better decisions and get better results in my life and glorify God better because I do have this gift of being able to discern this. And even if you don't have it, this is a tool that you can use to help you obtain that in the times when you need it. And that's why we have the Holy Spirit. Ultimately, it is he who is carrying out that discernment every time, and he equips our senses so that way we recognize it readily. But even if we happen to be sleeping or not paying attention, he's like, hey, hey. Look at this. That, what does that sound like to you? That's not me. Or that is me. Be quiet. That donkey talking. <laughs> I let her talk right now. She's going to save your life. So I, I appreciate that, Dean. Thank you so much Amen. for saying that. And um, to the, the, we were talking about the similarities in things. Acts chapter 4, um, verse 25 says, Who by the mouth of your servant David has said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? Mm-hmm. The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. So we know that's a the natural people were working out what the spiritual forces were inspiring or you know stirring them up to do so like you like dean said mr dean said it's always important to look at things and hold it up against what god has already said hold it hold it up to the spirit of the most high god the holy spirit and allow him to clarify what we're seeing and what we're looking at so and don't let the enemy tell you that you can't do that because you can and he doesn't want you to do that because he knows when you do that, you will see through what he's trying to tell you. But every believer can do that right now. Absolutely. Especially when you can, of course, we want, to, we want to hear the Holy Spirit. We want to, all these things. We want to get counsel from other fellow Christians, but we can actually pick up the word anytime right. and, and find that out simply just by using the written word to see if that lines up. Because there's plenty of examples when it does and it doesn't. So as I look at this, this section that we just read, there's the additional uh, thing, if you will, right? And uh, that is 
We've already covered it in Daniel. Chapter 2, verse 21, which says this, talking about the Lord, right? And he, that is the Lord, changes the times and seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. There's a lot of kings in here. They clearly are all approaching things in a natural way, lying to each other. And, and we see all these, as we were talking about the discernment piece, all these different, um, the nature and character of the evil. Lying, cheating, or trying to deceive, devise other schemes or plans. Right? Now, yes, the Lord allows it. Because Why? Ultimately, Scripture tells us that it's on the people. That the people have rebelled against the Lord and sought a ruler that is in opposition to him. And as a result, the Lord has allowed that to take place. Right? And then we see the difference in Proverbs. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked are in rule... The people mourn. So then it comes down to us. right? What are we going to do as people? And, and, and it, it didn't say all people, right? We can all go to the scripture. If my people, well, what? Humble themselves before me. Then what? He will Turn hear wicked ways. ways. Yeah. Okay, and? He will hear from heaven. And repent. repent. Don't forget that one. You have to repent. Oh, okay. It's a must. It didn't say... Okay, I'm going to humble myself, and then what? I'm going to turn. But then turn right back around and go right back to it, right? No, no, it's a repent. Repent is a turning. That's a complete 180. Right? Hebrew is a very pictorial language. It is a complete turning around in, in the opposite direction and moving away from the thing that you were doing, which means you don't do it anymore. So if we haven't done that, are we truly sorry for what we did? Have we truly repented? Or are we just continuing in the nonsense? Continuing in the nonsense. Okay. So you see the things that must take place, which is simplified in other scriptures as submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. <laughs> when those things happen, which means we seek to not, to be, I'll say it in this way, we seek to be pleasing to the Father and not to do the things that are in opposition against him and his will and bring sorrow to his heart. Then he heals the land. So if we're looking at, uh, regardless of what nation, are, you see this in Daniel's time, you see this written about the future, and I'm sure many can apply it to whatever nation they're in, and, and the rulers and the leaders that are there now. But again, as we've even pointed out in this message, in this morning Bible study, we have to look at ourselves. So I'm not judging everyone else. Are we being pleasing to the Father? Or are we saying the words that we think the Father wants to hear, but still choosing to live in sin and opposition to Him? Because there is a difference. There's a huge difference. Any questions on that? Okay. What else is, does anyone want to share? 
Well, I found it interesting thinking about the last king where he had very little people. He rose to power not using force, but using intrigue and con, using his wits and being cunning. It reminded me, I believe a couple devotionals ago, we talked about how the little foxes spoil the vines. And as believers, it's a reminder to us to be careful of everything that we take in, not just what seems blatantly wrong, but to even filter out the seemingly small things. And to me, it was intriguing because everybody else came in mustering a large force, so everybody was clearly, they were going to take it by force, but he tricked everybody by saying he was for them and, you know, pretending to be on their side. And so it Yes, and it allowed him to slip through their defenses, and then he came out showing who he really was after he had already, I would say, won the heart of the people. And, but also how his demise came about. He was deceitful, and in the end, he was deceived. That's how he felt. And it reminds me of the scripture where it says, man cannot live by the sword. If you live by the sword, you will die by the sword. And it's not just, it doesn't just apply to living by the sword. It applies to your everyday life. If Mommy brought up one time, we were talking about something. She said, Liars are the first people to call out, you're lying to me. You hate to be lied to. <laughs> but it's true. it's true. If you lie to other people, you're automatically going to assume everybody's lying to you. Or if you cheat everybody, you're going to think somebody's cheating you. So it's a reminder to us and an encouragement to us to be watchful of what we do, but also be mindful of how we live our lives and conduct ourselves in our daily. Absolutely. How did Jesus phrase it? A little leaven. You talked about the size of this force here, right? It wasn't, as you pointed out, this huge army of people. It was a small number of people. Jesus said a little leaven leavens the whole loaf. It doesn't take a lot to change the whole structure and dynamic of it. And you see that carried out here, right? Confirming other scripture, but then... There's other scripture. It says, what you sow in the Spirit, in the Spirit you will reap. And what you sow in the flesh, flesh reaps corruption. Mm -hmm. And every other evil thing. Paraphrasing it for for time. This has been a long one. But not that it's not good. There's a lot here to discuss. But you see that laid out here. It wasn't so much about the sword, but he reaped the fruit of his actions, of his labor, which was sowing deceit and envy and all these other things. And in so, that was what undid this ruler. So yes, it's uh, something for our own lives. What are we sowing by our actions? Are we sowing in the Spirit? Because we know that sowing in the Spirit produces every good and fruitful thing. Right, Because every good and perfect thing comes from above the Father of lights. So for sowing in the Spirit, we know that we are going to have the Christ kind of results. Whether we see them with our own eyes or not, we know that's what they produce. And in here, we see the opposite of that. What sowing in the flesh, out of the flesh does and produces. 
So how are we sowing or watering the seeds that we are sowing and watering? Any questions on that? No. No. All right. Well, let's pause there for today just because we we have gone quite long and um, trying to be considerate. <laughs> Although there was definitely quite a bit to discuss. So, so could I get a volunteer to close out in prayer, please? I will. All right, I promise. Well, I just ask you to keep our listeners in. Help them move along in you and not stay in one spot. But help them to keep continue to believe in you and not walk away from your covering or blessings. Name Jesus, Amen. Well, amen. Well, we love you. God bless you, Dean. God bless you. Thank you for being a, a part of this this Bible study. Definitely appreciate it, and are thankful, to the Lord, for you. So. So we love you all. God bless you and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.